All right. Well, hey, everybody. We're all at church. Wow, this is great, man. I want you this morning to open your Bibles to Matthew, Matthew chapter 16. While you're turning over there, a couple things. Today, in the first service, we were able to do a new members commissioning. And so with that, we're going to put their picture up there on the screen. This was those that became new members in the first service. And so um, obviously you can recognize some of those faces if you know them. Welcome them to the family here in the next couple weeks as you see them. And so with that, we call it a co-missioning because co, it means to do something together. And we always say we're with you on the journey. Mission, that we're here to help people journey forward through life with God, purpose, and friends. And these are people that are joining in the efforts to do that. And then the idea of commissioning, I-N-G, at the end. There ain't nothing passive about Momentum Church. Come on. All right, I-N-G means active, action. It's a verb ending, right? And so the idea is in the kingdom of God, we ought to be doing, we ought to be living, we ought to be serving. And so these people have, um, we ought to be giving. That's a good one. And so these people have committed to be a part of the membership of this body. Final thing I want to say toward that, I had bought into the whole thing years ago. I'm not going to call it membership. You know, we have partners at Momentum Church. We want you to be a partner. And, um, and the more I looked at Scripture, the Scriptures really show membership. And it's not so much the membership like joining a club, right? But the idea of being members of the body of Christ. And so, no, you don't necessarily see in Scripture the idea of membership to a church. But you do see that you are vital, right, to the body of Christ. Like an eye is vital to the body. Like a hand is vital. Like a foot is vital vital. And so with all that, we come together and we can be the body of Christ to the earth. And so we went back to using the word member a few years ago. I just think it's a lot more fitting because if a hand's missing, you know it, right? Nobody's ever like going through life going, what did I put my hand? No, it's, and when you're a part of a church, you're a vital part. We know when you're hurting, you know, plus you're there to help in the efforts of the ministry. Amen. And so today we're starting a new series. Let's get started with that. We're starting a new series on relationships. And over the next few weeks, we'll be looking at relationships. And so with that, we want to be able to get our ship together. Come on, somebody. Can you look to your neighbor and say, neighbor, get your ship together? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to be careful. You got to be careful. And it was funny because as a, as a staff, as we looked at it, we thought of different ways of calling it. We thought maybe shipwrecked. And if you don't deal with your relationships, they can become shipwrecked. We thought maybe ship shape, and, and that's good. But we just couldn't think of anything better than just get your ship together. These relationships that you have, our lives are characterized by them. You know, if you think about how many here you have some good relationships, raise your hand. Be honest, you got some good relationships. Right, right. Your lives are characterized by those good the benefit of those good relationships. But be honest, how many have some relationships that have been detrimental to you, be honest? Oh, yeah, yeah. So our lives are characterized by both the good and the bad. The benefit and to our detriment, relationships characterize our lives. So we need to be able to give some attention to relationships in order to be ship shape, in order to get the relationship in shape. Amen. And so with that, we are going to get our ship together. And so over the next few weeks, we'll dive into God's Word so that we can experience truths that will benefit the relationships that God has placed in our lives. And we'll look at different things that pertain to relationships. But if we don't get, listen, if we don't get our spiritual ship together, amen, we've lost it all. 
It's that spiritual ship. It's, it's that, 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 that faith that you have in Christ. It's that relationship that you have with his church, with the body. It's that responsibility that we all have together. If we don't get that figured out, then we miss it all. Amen? And so I want to start by saying something to you guys, and that's this. You ready? Happy birthday. Everybody look at me. Happy birthday. And when I say happy birthday, it's like, well, I thought our church anniversary was in January. It is. Momentums. But not the church of Jesus Christ. Amen? Today is Pentecost Sunday. What's that mean? That means we're all going to run around and shout and scream. And No, 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 no. If you want to, that's all right. But No, it's Pentecost Sunday. It's 50 days after Passover or after Easter. This is the day that... 2,000 plus years ago, the children of God were in the upper room. They're seeking the face of God, as Jesus had said. And man, on 120 people, the power of the Holy Spirit came upon them. They began to speak in tongues. People there that were in the city could hear them up in the upper room, declaring in their own language the works of God, hearing them proclaiming the goodness of God. They came, and the church that day, Peter, who once was shy and backward, maybe not shy, but definitely fearful, now he's full of boldness, and he preaches the gospel message, and 3,000 people come to salvation on that day. It is apropos that today the first relationship we're looking at is the fellowship. Everybody say fellowship. It's the church. It's our relationship to God and our relationship to each other. And it's apropos that we're doing that today. So I want us to stand to our feet as we look in Matthew chapter 16. As Jesus starts talking about building his church and, um, and I want to walk down from chapter 16, verse 13 through 19. And if you're a guest with us, we always stand the first time we read God's Word just to honor God's Word. It says, When Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said, But who do you say that I am? It's awesome that our faith is a very personal thing. Amen? It's corporate, but it's very personal. Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered, And blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I'll tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Let's pray. Jesus, I love this family. I love this portion of your body, this, this church, God, that I get to pastor. And Lord God, as we leave here today, help us to get this ship shape. Lord God, help us to get this in order, I pray, Jesus. Lord, that we might be your people, your church, as you envisioned, as you empowered 2,000 years ago. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You can have your seats. <clears throat> as you're taking your seats, if we're going to get our ship together in the area of the spiritual things, there's three questions that we've got to ask ourselves. And so the first question that we've got to ask ourselves is this, who is your captain? Every ship has a captain, right? Right? Not, no ship should be willy-nilly just going to and fro. It should have a captain. So I want to ask you, who is your captain? 
In this passage of Scripture, Jesus comes into the district of Caesarea Philippi, and he asks his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they begin to say, well, you're like Jeremiah. You know, you're like Elijah. Some think you're the return of, of John the Baptist. And, and, and in our culture today, a lot of people think a lot of things about Jesus, right? You could ask somebody, who do you think Jesus is? And they'll say, well, he's a good teacher. He's a good man. He's righteous and moral. He's the best expression of humankind that is possible. He's, and you can even ask a Muslim, what do you think about Jesus? Oh, he's a great prophet. You ask a Buddhist, what do you think about Jesus? Oh, he was one of the great Buddhas of all time, one of the great teachers of all time that would show you the way. What do you think, Mr. Hindu follower. He's another one of the most awesome gods that we could follow as you stack up with all the other gods, you know? Hindus have lots of things that they believe, right? And so stack them up in the midst of that. I could ask you as the American church, who is Jesus to you? And you could say, well, he's the one that I look to on Sunday mornings and when I need to pass a test <laughs> and I need to drive through Atlanta traffic, right? That, 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 that's who Jesus is. You know, who do you say that I am? But Jesus looks at him and says, who do you say that I am? And Peter says something so powerful. He says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And I'm telling you right now, Peter in that moment had the revelation that you aren't just some kind of something. You are the only thing. You are the only way. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And in that moment, he looked to Jesus as everything. In that moment, you are Lord and leader. And I'll say it in the context of our talk today. In that moment, you are the captain. Years ago, we took a, a staff retreat in Ohio up to Lake Erie to this little island, and we're on the island, and Bud Brickman, he was a veterinarian, and he had a boat, and we went to his little cottage on the island with the staff, and he was the captain of the boat. And I all us young guys, us young pastors in our early 20s, mid-20s, we wanted to drive the boat, and he would say, no, 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 whose boat? It's Bud's boat. <laughs> Who drives Bud's boat? But, but, but Bud drives Bud's boat, <laughs> you know, like, because we always want, we wanted to be the captain of our ship. We wanted to take it out there. And then one day he thought, you know what, we'll let you. It's about two years in of doing this. And so he started feeling confident with us. And so you guys go ahead. Well, we didn't realize that the way that island worked, if you stayed close to the island, you would stay close to the island. If you started to get away, there was a shipping lane and the water moved into Lake Erie like a river. And the next thing you know, we got Bud's boat like two miles out into this, this river of water that's, and it's not good. And we run out of gas because we can't get it to come back. And, and our friend Shane, man, he jumps out. Our youth pastor jumps out, ties a rope to his leg, and he's trying to swim the boat back to shore. This isn't going to happen. And so finally, he just goes off swimming. And we're like, surely Shane's going to die. And he gets to the beach, and they go find Bud, and Bud comes back, and Bud's whole thing to us was, I told you, Bud drives the boat, you know? <laughs> and he was absolutely right. We were not responsible enough to drive the boat. We didn't have enough understanding to drive the boat. And so here you see this, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. You are the captain of this ship, and a ship needs a captain. Amy and I, this week, we got to go with the Atlanta Church Planters Alliance. It's guys like myself that are church plant directors for other movements. I'm the director for the Assemblies of God, but it was the Baptists, it was the Presbyterian, it was some independent works, Wesleyan, Methodist, and we all got along. It was awesome. I'm serious. It was so good. 
But when we went there, we went to Windshape, up there, Truett Kathy's um, um, leadership place and retreat place up at Berry College. How many of you ever been to Berry College? Oh, my word. Man, those deer just wait for to be, like, you could shoot them deer easy. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You could. All our hunters. You could, really. They just stood there begging, you know. So um, you could, oh, I'm not going to say it. Yes, I am. (laughs) You almost slit one's throat. It's that easy of hunting. But we wouldn't do that because it would be wrong. Okay. So we're up there, and they did a team. How many love team-building exercises? (laughs) Gluttons for punishment. Most people don't like team-building. It's like, really? Okay. And so these are guys that we barely know and their wives that we barely know. And so they put us at tables, men over here, women over here, with oversized Legos. And these oversized Legos, they give four pictures. They're sitting on a stack of chairs. There's four chairs stacked and four photos, and they're there. And there's a table with a pile of stuff. And they say, okay, on the count of three, begin. They don't tell us anything but just begin. And so as we look, we realize, okay, the four pictures are different sides of this structure we're supposed to build out of the Legos. And so pretty quick, us guys figured out, let's put chairs on each side of the table, and let's put in perspective those images in relationship to that, okay? We did have two flipped. That messed us up. So this was the idea, and we're going to create this thing, right? And so as we create, and the women are over there doing the same thing. As we're creating, all of us have different ideas, and all of us have different views, And they're telling us what to do, and we're the hands trying to do it. But listen, there was no captain, okay? It would have been so much easier if there was one person who had all four pictures and can just, okay, you do this, no, you do that, no, here, walk around, no, you do this, and so on. But each person's view was limited, so each person's view was biased on what they wanted, and it created a mess. Listen, when it comes to being the captain of our own vessel, you will be biased in what you want, and if what you want doesn't line up to what the captain desires, you will create, everybody say, a mess. There's this picture, this ideal that God has for his people, and we find that ideal here in Scripture. And in pursuit of that ideal, there'll be ups and there'll be, there'll be downs, and there'll be struggles and there'll be challenges, but God has a way, amen? And he wants us to go after that way. He is the captain, and he is infinite, so he has a good picture of everything at the same time. For us, doing the exercise, we didn't, and when the exercise was just about over, about two minutes shy of the time, um, the ladies are all, we're done, we got it. Are you kidding me? So I look over, and sure enough, there's a structure. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh. And so we all try to just speed up the process. And, and it, it, was, it was not what the picture, it was horrible. All right? It was. Well, as we walk by, the ladies, ready to concede, we're going to go into this meeting room and talk about what we learned, okay? As we walk by the ladies, I look over, and I'm like, that looks nothing like the, hold on, do they have a different picture? And they didn't. And I grabbed the picture. It didn't look anything like the picture. What these ladies did at one point, they just said, you know what, forget it. We're just going to build something. <laughs> and they just put it together. They didn't care. It didn't look any, but, but it worked in us. We were like, oh, they're winning, and that messed us all up. And so, so um, I'm not sure of any spiritual truth in that at all. <laughs> other, than, <laughs> other than he has an infinite view, and he gets all the pictures at the same time. And he is the ultimate voice. And if we'll listen to his voice and go off his vision and go off what he directs, he will build what he desires. Amen? 
And so often we don't make them captain. And listen, you know what the thing is? The people in the world that are not Christ followers, and if you're here today and you're not a Christ follower, you know what? A lot of times we make it sound like Christians like this. You know what? Life's hard. Get saved and life will be good. You know? Can I tell you that's not the case? It's not. But listen, those in the world, can I just tell you something? You don't need to follow Jesus. He's not your captain. But those of us that call him Lord, those of us that when we look and he says, who do you say that I am? And we say, you are Jesus. You are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the Lord. You are the Son of God. Those of us that do that, guess what we're supposed to do? Call him captain of our ship. You lead our lives. You direct our journey. Your will be done. Amen? And so often I think as Christ followers, we struggle with that. And we say, you know what? I got a better picture. I got a better view. I think it should go this way. I think it should go that way. And next thing you know, we build a mess. And we come to God going, help us with our mess. And he's so good he does. Aren't you glad he does? Thank God for grace. Amen? But there's a lot of things, a lot of icebergs and, and a lot of, of coral reefs and various things that could be avoided if we would just follow him as our captain. Amen? And so in this scripture, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ and the son of the living God. I love in that it's Peter that steps up with the right answer. So often Peter did the wrong thing, didn't he? You know, in the midst of Malchus coming to take Jesus to the Sanhedrin, and Peter takes the sword and cuts Malchus' ear off, which is an awesome part of Scripture. It is. Love swords and blood, you know. But in the midst of that, you know, Peter, you doofus, Simon, what in the world? You know, the, the, the rooster crows and he denies. And he denies again and the rooster crows. Three times he denies his Jesus, you know. He's always messing up. I mean, that's just how this guy's always been. But this is foretelling. This, to me, it's the idea that before the rooster ever crowed, God knew. God knew what was in Peter's heart, you know. And so with this, he says to him, Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And with Peter, and with Peter, he looks at him and he says to him, he says, and you are, you know what, that's the next part of the scripture, but let's get there. Let's go to 16, verse 18 through 19. He says this, he says, and I tell you, you are Peter and on this rock I'll build my church. So the first thing is, the first question is, who's your captain? The second question is, what is the purpose of your vessel? What's the purpose of the mission? What's the purpose of the church? And so as you look here, he looks to Peter and he says, You are Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. What is the purpose of the church? There's an old, old song called The Old Ship of Zion. How many old time? Any old, anybody that knows that? Bruce, I expect you to know that. It's the only person in this house Anybody else? Okay, okay, good, good, Danny. A couple of us. It's an old, old song, and I'm not going to sing it, say amen. Okay, but it says this. It says, I was standing by the banks of a river, looking out over life's troubled seas, when I saw an old ship that was sailing. Is that the old ship of Zion I see? 
As I step on board, I'll be leaving all my troubles and trials behind. I'll be safe with Jesus, the captain, sailing out on the old ship of Zion. The old ship of Zion is the church, guys. It's, it's what God brings us into together. It's what he's built that the gates of hell will not prevail against us. And you have Peter, who's always been a doofus, and now he's about to get the right answer. I can almost see the disciples, the ones that said, oh, it could be Elijah. No, no. It could be Jeremiah. No, no. It could be John the Be... No, no. And then Peter's like, I got it, I got it, I got it. And all the other disciples are like, this is going to be rich, you know. That's Peter. And he looks to Peter, and, 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 and Peter says, you're the Christ. You're the Son of the living God. And Jesus looks to Peter, and he says, upon this rock, I'll build my church. He says, you're Peter. Now, the Catholics, and we have a few that are here that have Catholic backgrounds, they're going to say, okay, well, Peter is that rock. Peter's that first pope. Peter's that first in apostolic succession. And upon Peter, the church is built. Because on the day of Pentecost, Peter preached, and 3,000 were saved. So obviously, he's the foundation. At wrong. Okay? Actually, it's upon this Petros. He says, you are Petros. He looks to Peter, and he doesn't call him Simon. He doesn't say, you're Simon. You know, Bar-Jonah. You are, you are the son of Jonah. Uh, he looks to Peter, and he says, you are Petros. And upon this Petra, I will build my church. Jesus is the Petra. But what's beautiful is Jesus looks to Peter and says, you've been a doofus all along, but guess what? You're a chip off the old block, and I'm going to use you to build my church. You're, you're, you're a Petros. Uh, and I've said this before from this pulpit, I'm sure. In First Peter, it says that we're lively stones. The church is built up of lively stones. That word is Petroi which even means little smaller chips off the old block. Isn't that cool? And so, guys, you have, you carry within you the anointing of the Christ, the Messiah, Jesus. That's, what's the mission of the church? Be Jesus to the world. That's the mission. But I can't. I know you can't. But you're anointed by him to be that. It's not your anointing upon this Petra. I'll build my church. But you are Petros, and you are Petroi. God's blessing is on you. His anointing is on you. His touch is on you. Yet we allow our minds and our hearts to go toward lesser things so often. We get our eyes off the captain of our vessel. And church and Christianity and our walk with Jesus becomes an accessory. It becomes something that we visit on Sunday mornings. And we wonder why the gates of hell prevail at times. But here we see the mission of the church is that the gates of hell would not prevail against the church, that God would bring expanse, that God would build his kingdom, that the church is the hope of the world. That's the mission of the church. It goes on and says, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. The idea of keys is authority. I'm going to give you the authority to live out the call of God that I have placed on the church. And here's what's neat. And whatever you bind will be bound. But when you hear that, in my mind, I think, okay, it should be top-down leadership, right? Whatever God binds in heaven will be loosed in the earth or bound in the earth. Whatever God looses in heaven will be loosed in the earth. That makes sense, right? But that's not, hmm. Listen, your daily activities, your daily actions, your daily word, your 
daily expression as a Christ follower, the daily walking out of the anointing of God in your life literally has the power to bind things in the eternal, to lose things in the eternal. And we as the church often are satisfied with just Sunday morning, go to church, and that's the extent of our Christian walk. When God's saying, no, you got a great ship of hope, a great vessel that can be the life change to the world as you and your captain go looking to see what God can do in and through lives daily. Amen? And so here we see this idea of, of binding and loosing, but it starts in the earth. And, 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 you know, I was raised up that that's spiritual warfare. How many kind of was raised more around that? Like, like you, you hear that and you think spiritual warfare, you know? And, and here's the thing. Can I be honest? I, I'm not saying it's not. But sometimes I see folks that are really engrossed in spiritual warfare um, are very much isolationists. They're very much apart from people. They're very much away. Well, they're getting the intercessory work done of the kingdom behind the scenes. I, I get that. Sometimes they're just weird, okay? Now listen, we need some weird folk, okay? Amen? Right, Vernon? God brought you because we needed some weird folk. No, I'm kidding. But we, we, need, we need that. But you're not going to see that when it comes to mission. Here in a second, you're not going to see the spiritual warfare isn't so much the binding, the rebuking, the, the, the casting out of demons and this and that. The spiritual warfare is living that Christian walk, walking out as the church, which I'll show you here in a few minutes, some of our, our expectations and roles as Christ followers. And God, in doing that, he causes the gates of hell to not prevail against us. Now, here's the thing about gates, right? Gates are not an offensive weapon, right? It says that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Okay, I don't, I don't understand that then. You know, my dad in the 50s, he would rumble. You know, they would have fights. You know, there in the hills, there wasn't a whole lot to do. And so little guys from this community would go fight little guys from that community. And, and, and dad had said there was times they had pipes and chains and bats and, and, and them crazy hillbillies. Are you kidding me, you know? And there was times that they would go and rumble. Nobody ever showed up at a rumble with a gate. Imagine a gate. I'm holding a piece of gate. What you got, Ross? A gate? Are you kidding me? Yes, a gate. And they're coming with knives and bats, and, but I got, I got my gate. It's not an offensive weapon. What a gate is for is to claim territory. That's all a gate is for. It's to mark claim. It's to, this is, and here's the thing. When Adam and Eve gave the world to Satan through their disobedience, because they were to have dominion, they were to subdue the earth, they were to be the ones in authority with the keys of the kingdom, and through sin, they gave that to the enemy. The enemy took claim over the earth. Topos, ground, literally. Took ground, foothold of the earth, okay? And the picture is, when the church does what the church is supposed to do, the gates of hell can't prevail. We push back the gates of hell. In essence, making the things of the enemy, the things and the claim of the devil, smaller and smaller and smaller, in this sphere we call the earth. Isn't that cool? So no, the devil doesn't have a right to have an offensive weapon against our lives, but he does have a right to try to stake claim. And so what we see here is we have an authority in our lives to be the church, and as we are living as the church, next thing you know, the gates of hell stop prevailing. They get pushed back, and we take ground. It's time for the church of Jesus Christ to take more ground. 
And I think when you look at the scripture, <laughs> you think, well, authority, you think, well, that means in the name of Jesus, I bind and rebuke this. In the name of Jesus, I bind and rebuke that. And I'm not saying that's wrong. I think that when things need bound and rebuked, let's do it, right? But you're not seeing that on Acts 2. You're not seeing that in that passage of Scripture when it starts to talk about mission and when it starts to talk about what the church is supposed to be doing. Okay, And so I want to go there. So first, we see here that we've got to know who our captain is. The second, what is the purpose of your vessel? The purpose is to take ground. It's to, it's to be a, a vessel that goes to the beaches of spiritual normity and it, it takes ground. It goes on that beach of humanity and begins to take ground. That's what the church is supposed to do. That's our vision. That's our mission is to take, everybody say take ground. And there's marriages that need the ground taken. There's, there's, there's um, um, addictions, people that struggle with addictions that need ground taken in their life. There's, there's all these footholds of the enemy that try to get in, and it's the church's job to help take ground. Amen? To push back, if you will, the gates that would try to prevail against the church. And the daily things that we do, those things that we bind on earth get bound in heaven. The daily things that we do have eternal merit. Isn't that cool? So the decisions we do today that bring loosening, loosen things in the eternities. The decisions that we do today that bring binding, hold things together, hold things together throughout the eternities. I love it. And so the final question, if you're going to get your ship together, you have to settle these questions. And the third question is this, what can you expect from your crew? You have a captain, you have a vessel and a mission, but it takes a crew on that boat to listen to the voice of the captain and to see the mission manifest, okay? We know the mission is to take ground. We understand that. And so now what does that look like? And let me just say one thing as I transition. I, I saw Marvin um, um, Civil, a um, young man that's on our, our board here. He said this, the reason why hell has risen against you is because you're about to occupy the very area hell has fought to keep you out of. I love that. If you're facing some stuff, it's because you're taking ground. That's good stuff. And so here, what can you expect from your crew? Acts 2. And so when I go to Acts 2, this is the passage of Scripture where the power of the Holy Spirit falls upon the, 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 the 120 in the upper room. They speak in tongues. Those tongues are heard in the ears of devout people that are there in the city for the Feast of Pentecost. They hear the message of the goodness of God in their own tongue, in their own language. They come <laughs> to see what's up. Peter, who once was shy, now full of the Holy Spirit, now he begins to preach with boldness. And with that boldness come 3,000 people into the kingdom of God. God begins to work with those 3,000. They become the church. The church starts to grow and increase. And we see in Acts 2, the same chapter, verse 42, what can you expect from your crew? We see the expectations of the crew right here laid out before us. And here's the thing. I'm not saying the mystical and the supernatural is not important. It is. But you see it as a byproduct of these four very practical things, not as the precursor. Sometimes people chase the mystical and the supernatural first, and they wonder why nothing happens, but they're just a little bit weird, okay? And they're not doing anything to bring change. It's just a celebration of weird, right? I guess the Spirit should be wonderful, not weird. Come on, right? And so here in this, you're going to see they do some things that are very, very just natural. And then the supernatural gets added. And so here, what can you expect from your crew? Acts 2, verse 42, it says, And they devoted themselves... To the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. They devoted themselves. You know what we can expect 
from those on the great ship of Zion? You know what we can expect? Devotion. Everybody say devotion. Oh, that's a beautiful word, isn't it? To consecrate yourself towards something with great admiration, great love, great dedication. To be able to do that, to be devoted to something. Sometimes when it comes to Christ's church, His people are not devoted to His things. The captain of the ship is trying to get us to go in a certain direction and we want to do what we want to do. Just often in counseling, I can't tell you how many times I'll be counseling people, and man, what they're walking in is completely outside of God's plan. And you can show them in Scripture, I'm not trying to be judgmental, I'll always come with love, you know, but this is what the Bible says, and I can't tell you how often I will hear this. You know what, I know that's what it says, but I don't care. It may not be the exact words out their mouth, I don't care, but it's the exact attitude of the heart. I know what the captain wants. I know what the mission is. But you know what? Christianity in the church is a really nice watch that I can put on on Sunday morning and do my, this is what we do in the South. You know, I'm going to church. There, I got it done. And then Sunday afternoon, I put that off, and I don't give it another thought until the next, maybe Saturday night, if I don't have anything else going on that weekend, Right? And then maybe, maybe I'll show up on Sunday. Oh, man, i got to put that watch on. Ooh, that looks good. But no, no, here it says, and they devoted themselves. Say devoted. And here's the four things they devoted themselves to. The apostles' teaching and fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayers. The apostles' teaching to discipleship. They devoted themselves to the word of God to put the word into their lives so they can understand the character of God. The Word of God is the revealed character of God. And so they devoted themselves to His heart by understanding His Word. You can read Psalms 119. If you need a passage of Scripture that will help to turn your heart toward devotion when it comes to the Word of God, just read the whole chapter of Psalms 119. It's the longest chapter in the Bible, but in that, it will just give you a heart to understand how rich and beautiful His Word really is. The second thing that you see is fellowship. They devote themselves to a place of common ground. Koinonia means common ground. A place of fellowship. That's the ship that we've got to get together. That Christian, if you will, fellowship. Around here, we'll tell you when it comes to small groups, and I believe this is just in a sense the church's place for us to be able to provide this, and we do it through small groups, it is a place to connect. A place to connect. It's a place to protect that place of fellowship. I love how the Bible says in 1 John 3, 16, we know what real love is because Christ gave up his life for us, and so we also ought to give up our lives for Christian brothers and sisters. It's a place to protect. You know, the Bible says this. It says that they will know that you're Christians by your love, not for them, by your love one for another. A sense of connection, a sense of protection. And then finally, it's a place to grow. Like iron that sharpens another man, you know? Uh, the Bible tells us that as iron sharpens iron, so does one man sharpen another. It's a place to grow and to challenge each other. And, and, and I'm not saying that we should burn each other with judgmentalness. That's not the point. But I want you to expect devotion out of me. Think about if it was a ship. 
I expect my shipmates to get their jobs done. Come on, right? So I want you to expect devotion out of me, not because I'm your pastor, but because I'm a Christ follower on the same ship as you. Expect devotion out of me. And I want to expect devotion out of you because the captain is worthy. The captain is good. The ship is wonderful that he's taking us to heaven, if you will, in, you know, this ark of safety. And so there's a sense of expectation there. The next thing we see is the breaking of bread. The breaking of bread, communion. We'll be having communion in the next few weeks. But it's not just communion. We reflect and remember. But the breaking of bread is a reminder of the presence of God. We hunger. Those who are passionate and devoted, they hunger for the presence of God. They want to see God's touch manifest in their marriage, in their home, in their, in their school. They want to see God's touch manifest. They want their pre- the presence of God to be a part of life. And then the final thing we see them moving in is prayer. Prayer. Seeking God on behalf of each other in the world. And so we can see that with this group of people, those are the four things they were devoted to. Here's the thing. Spiritual warfare sounds a lot more sexy than that. Right? Well, you're just talking about churchy stuff. The Bible, fellowship, prayer, right? Communion and seeking God's presence. Yeah, pretty much just talking about churchy stuff. But on a ship, when you do those right things, you're ready when the battle comes. When the crew has everything in place, doing the small, simple things, right? And next thing you know, that, that pea fighter flies up over top of that, 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 that um, um, hull, and you see it, you're ready for spiritual warfare. Because watch this, this is what's so neat about this. They de- they, it says here to do those four things, and watch, here's a conjunction. So those four things happen, and all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. You see that? All, A-W-E, all. That's where you're going, oh my word. Did you see what God did in that person's life? God delivered that person. That person was bound, and they're set free. That person was sick. This morning we laid hands on a couple who were getting ready to go do in vitro fertilization. And and Amy and I got a chance to lay hands on them and pray for them. And man, I'm believing God for a miracle there. That that will take, that it will work. They've been trying for years. We're believing God for a miracle, amen? Out of the natural flow of the church, God will do the supernatural things, if that makes sense. But for us so often, we want the supernatural. We want the all, the signs, the wonders. We won't mop the deck. We won't be devoted to the simple things. Jesus, help us to be devoted to discipleship and to fellowship and to your presence and to prayer. It goes on, and all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as many had need. And day by day, say day by day, Attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having forever favor rather with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. We see in the end of doing these things, these normal things, supernatural increase takes place. All takes place. Signs and wonders take place. And supernatural increase as God adds to his church. But the key is this. You ready for it? 
And day by day, they attended. And day by day, they prayed. And day by day, they fellowshiped. And day by day, and, and it may be, Pastor, there's no way in our day and culture that we can do that day by day. I get it. We're not going to have church here every day. Amen? Hallelujah. I'm glad about that. But here's the day by day that is so important. It's a mindfulness about spiritual things. Day by day. A mindfulness. Not accessorizing with Christianity. But looking at it and saying, man, he is my captain. This is my ship. This is my crew. And I am mindful about that daily. Today, how am I making him first in my life? Today, how am I propelling the mission of God's church? Today, how am I supporting my brothers and sisters in the Lord? Today, today, everybody say today. How am I being devoted today? Do you see that? That's the key to getting your ship together spiritually. If today you need to make him captain of your ship, close your eyes for a moment. If you're here this morning and you've never made Jesus, when I say make, you've never chosen to say, Jesus, you are Lord of my life, and you're at the helm of this vessel of my life. I'm not in control anymore. You're in control. Jesus, you are Lord. You are captain of my life. If you've never done that ever in your life, would you hold up your hand? I'm not going to embarrass you. Just hold up your hand. First time, you've never came to that realization in your life, anyone. Second, you've been going through life Less than devoted. Going through life where a lot of things, the opinions of man, your own inclinations, have been the captain of your life. And today you're saying, Jesus, I want you to be captain. I put, I put you in the forefront of everything, afresh and anew. Help me to submit everything I have to you. If that's you, just hold up your hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Anyone else? I see those hands. Let's all pray this together. Say, Jesus, I give you everything. You are the captain of this vessel. Forgive me for my sins and my shortcomings. Jesus, do a work in my heart that I'd be devoted to you in all things. Jesus, help me to become ship-shaped spiritually as I pursue you in discipleship, your word, as I pursue you in fellowship, as I pursue your presence, and as I stand in prayer alone and with my brothers in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fuel for the Journey. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.